Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because I want to get your take on this whole women's soccer 
situation too. I think uh, there, there's going to be a lot to talk about there as well. Oh, we got a lot to talk about this whole hour, Bill. Let's get our guest on, though, shall we? All right. Well, and we're excited to have our first-time visitor, Philly Press Box Radio tonight, and baseball statistician and author Ryan Spader, which should be a blast, I'm sure. Uh, Chet, give us a quick intro on Ryan. All right, Bill. Ryan is the co-author of the book Incredible Baseball Facts I've, or Stats. I've Heard him on with our pals Ray Dinger and Glenn Macknell on WIP several times over the last two months. He always has lots of fun facts for those guys. He also happens to be a former Marine, and further proof that he's a good guy, he is, like me, an alum of Penn State University. Well, what more is there to intro than that? So let's welcome Ryan Spader to Philly Press Box Radio. Ryan, welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for having me, and I, I have to make a, a small correction there. Yes. Um, you know, the, as in the Marines, they say no such thing as a former Marine. But I, I'm actually uh, still active duty, uh, believe it or not. I just moonlight doing the baseball stuff, sleep a good three and a half wow. hours a night. Wow, I did you not know, know that. Kind of like, well, thank, like Buddy thank you for your service. You know, I get a yep. full 45 minutes. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you for your service, like Chet said. Yes, indeed. That's it. All yeah, right, Ryan. Great. Thank you, though. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. This is Chet. The other guy, as he's often known, is Bill, and we do have plenty to talk with you about. Let's start off with the book, Incredible Baseball Stats. Now, you and Kevin Reeby wrote it in 2016, and you've just updated it this year. How did you guys decide to put this book together originally, and what makes it different from other stat-oriented baseball books? Oh, boy, how how much time are you guys giving me here? (laughs) so this was a kind of a vision that I had early on when I started this baseball stuff. Um, after about two and a half years, three years, when I got my first uh, job offer in writing was from NBC Sports, and I didn't want to write because I don't consider myself much of a writer. Uh, after some coaxing, I eventually took the job, and then I looked at the um, just the range of information that I had pulled uh, over the years, and I was like, you know what, I, I kind of want to write a book. Uh, why not? Uh, let's let's figure this out. And I had a friend, a uh, roommate actually, who was friends with this guy who wrote this book, in, um, This Day in Philadelphia Sports. And um, I wanted to get an intro with him. And uh, my my roommate uh, had talked to him and said, you know, my, my buddy um, has all these great baseball stats. He's got a Twitter account and everything. And Kev kind of blew it off. He was like, oh, Twitter, that's, that's cute, whatever. And um, finally he ended up meeting with me. We talked to uh, we talked baseball for a while, and Kev was just jaw on the ground with some of the stats I was dropping his way, some things that he's never heard before. And um, after what was supposed to be a burger and a beer, after about a couple burgers and some wings and a, maybe maybe one too many beers, uh, we decided <laughs> we were going to do this book, and I, I decided to enlist him uh, as, as help because, like I said, you know, I'm not the greatest writer in the world, and Kev's just a fantastic writer in his own right. And um, that's that's kind of how we how we got rolling. Uh, and then I think it was two days later we wrote uh, a chapter on the Royals because at that point the Royals hadn't won a World Series or anything in years. And um, our school of thought was like if we can get the publisher into the Royals, then we can get any baseball fan into any team. And the publisher was right away into it. We had our first contract offer uh, about a week later. And you clearly have some baseball connections. How did you get Wade Boggs to write the foreword for the initial book? Oh, gosh. So the publisher wanted a Major League Baseball player to do a, do a forward. And first thing, Kev knew I had um, a connection with Wade Boggs. And first thing, he was like, uh, you got to ask Wade. And how I initially um, got in touch with Wade was Wade's father was a Marine at Guadalcanal at just 16 years old. He did four years in the Marine Corps and then 24 years in the Air Force. So um, Wade has done some USO deployments himself. He's a big into the military. I um, I run an annual fundraiser for the Semper Fi Fund. The very first one I did was very unsuccessful, despite the fact I had about 15,000 followers. I only raised about 500 bucks, and I was a little disappointed with that, given the 15,000 people who were following me. And so I was like, you know what, i got to enlist the help of a ball player. And who better than Wade Boggs, my favorite ball player of all time, and somebody who I know outright in his uh, support for the military. And I asked him uh, if he would sign some baseballs for some donors um, at no cost to him. Of course, I offered to pay for everything, which, of course, he didn't let me do anyway. And um, he was all on board. As soon as I brought it up, 
he uh, he said, yeah, whatever you need. And then he sent me a direct message and gave me his phone number and email and all that stuff. Uh, but then fast forward, you know, I'd already asked Wade Boggs a favor. So I'm like, Kev, absolutely not. I'm not asking Wade Boggs to do this for us. There's no way. And time goes by, and we need to know who's going to forward this book. And then I suggested Sean Foreman, the baseball reference um, founder and president, but they were keen on a major league ball player. And then uh, Kevin and I discussed Kurt Schilling. And then we decided maybe that's not the best idea because um, some people kind of think Kurt's an a-hole. So uh, they probably wouldn't buy the book for that very reason. And then um, finally I caved and I said, you know what, I'll ask Wade. I sent a email that was about 1,400 uh, words. It took me about four hours to write saying how we're going to get your number retired by the Red Sox because at the time it wasn't. Um, that's a whole other story because we ended up having to rewrite the forward after the Red Sox, uh, after the <laughs> oh, Red Sox um, announced it was getting retired and all this stuff, right? And Bogsy responded in just 10 minutes and all he said was, hey, Ryan, I hope you're well. Sure, I'll do it, Wade. That's all he said. <laughs> wow. So so Ryan, what got you started in the in this uh whole stats thing? Obviously it's something you probably picked up as a kid and uh, how how did it all grow? Well, like you said, I, I was into it as a kid. Um back of the baseball card was more fascinating to me, to me than the front. Um I, I I used to put them backwards in the binders, you know what I mean? Um, I, I know uh, we have a, a mutual friend, or at least he listened to your show, in Carl, Carl Henderson, who's uh, Carl yep. Cards and Collectibles. And yep. I used to make weekly visits to, to him as a kid from the time I, was, I couldn't have been seven years old until, oof, I still occasionally go in there when I'm back at home. And um, I, we got to, I got to, while I'm on here, I got to uh, set up a, a signing in his store. That would be like an all time moment for me. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, we can do it, we can make it happen. Yeah. But uh, I um, I was always into the baseball cards, uh, the backs more than the fronts. And um, I remember when I was about nine, ten years old, uh, me thinking I'm being super analytical, right? Uh, I'm bring up to my father. I'm like, Dad, how you know Scott Rowland? He's our guy, but he shouldn't be wearing gold gloves. Look at Chipper Jones's fielding percentage is better, and Scott Rowland, in fact, is fifth among third basemen. And my dad, being the kind of guy that he is, he's like. You're an idiot, right? Listen, Scott Rowling <laughs> is making his errors on balls that nobody else is even getting to, right? And um, I consider that my, like, intro to advanced defensive metrics. And then fast forward, you know, my, I, I had the arrogance to believe I was going to be a major league ball player until I was about 18 years old. Um, and I got a – pardon me. I ended up getting cut from uh, Penn State's – not their uh, varsity team, but their club baseball team. And it was at that point I was like, Dude, you're probably not going to be a big league ball player. We got to we got to figure out another way in. And um, I was studying economics at the time, uh, heavy in statistics and advanced econometrics, and I was kind of good with the numbers. I had a, a professor, Daniel Goldstein, at Penn State, and he always used uh, baseball in his probability problems. And it just clicked one day. I was like, "This is it. This is how I'm getting into baseball." But it still took me a good while. It was. Um, not until Cliff Lee's quote-unquote down season in 2012. I'm sure you guys remember he went 6-9. and nine. But all the other numbers were spectacular. And um, Philly fans, as we're known to do, are running around with their heads cut off because Cliff Lee's career's finished. He went 6-9. and nine, right? And I, I, uh, I had discovered that that season Cliff Lee actually became the first pitcher with at least 200 strikeouts and fewer than 30 walks since Cy Young in 1905. And uh, I started calling in to all these Philly radio stations as, as I used to. I used to call into to, uh, I can't remember, Anthony Gargano all the time, whoever he was on with. And uh, I would um, I'd call in with the moniker Dr. Burl. And he loved it. He'd always be like, we got Dr. Burl on the line. <laughs> and his, uh, whoever his partner was didn't really uh, care for the, the whole gimmick. And I hung up on a lot, especially when I started trying to spew numbers and um, I couldn't get I couldn't get this fact out. I had to figure out a way to disseminate it, and uh, that way for me was Twitter. And uh, fortunately for me, the second person who followed me was Jason Stark, and uh, he shared that. And the next thing I knew, I had 50 followers, and then 500. And I thought that was it. There's no way that there's that many people into these uh, quirky baseball stats like me. And I guess fortunately, I I was wrong. 
Yeah, you seem to be doing okay with the Twitter stuff. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about the 2019 Phillies. They've had a rough five weeks. They're all the way down to number 18 in the latest MLB power rankings, incredibly, even though they're currently the second wildcard team in the National League. How good or bad is this Phillies team right now? Well, they're trending in the wrong way, and obviously, you know, that's that's not very analytical of me to say, but um, I, I think a lot's going wrong with this uh, for this team. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw with the Washington Nationals, where they couldn't buy a win early on, but they couldn't keep anybody healthy. And now that's the Phillies' problem right now, where uh, guys can't seem to get going. Harper, for example, although of late he hasn't been um, uh, quite as quite as bad. Uh, it's it's really difficult to call his performance bad um, because anytime he's not that MVP type player, he's considered to be playing poorly. But um, just hasn't really been what you know what the Phillies paid for. Uh, and I know you wanted to get a little bit further into depth with that, and I, I've got some info for you guys on him. But um, I, I just think a lot's going wrong for this team right now. Uh, going forward. I would like to see them make some moves, and let's not wait until the uh, deadline. Let's let's get this done now. Let's start making some moves and and progress towards whether it's the wild card or uh, fight back for the division because the Nationals aren't going to go away. Um, I, right now, as, as as far as I'm concerned, if somebody's going to overtake the Braves, it's going to be the Nationals. Uh, I really don't see that team laying down at all. And um, we need Bryce Harper to get hot. Uh, like I said, I got some info for you guys on him last uh, on him um, last year at this point in the season. Uh, well, first, right now he's um, what's he bad in um, uh, two fifty three, three seventy four seventy. Definitely not the Bryce Harper we were hoping for. But at this point last year, through ninety games, he was batting two fifteen, three sixty eight, four seventy one. So it's definitely even worse than what he was now. But then from that point on. He um, he really performed for the uh, for the Nats the rest of the way, and uh, I guess a large a large part of that was after that um, super motivational home run derby he had, where he batted two ninety four four twenty six five twenty nine the rest of the way. So if we can get that or even better, I think um, that's really going to help carry the offense. Uh, my biggest concern right now, as with uh, most most of uh, Philly, is the pitching. However, I will say that the offense is key because. The Phillies, anytime they score more than three runs in a game, they're winning games in an 80% clip. Three runs isn't all that much. You get over yeah. that three-run hump, you're going to win 80% of your games if you're this team. So the pitching hasn't really been as bad as um, I think we make it out to be. I think it's just we've it's been really uh, largely mediocre across the board, although Noel's kind of turning it on of late. And uh, I, I think that for me, the going forward, the offense is going to be key for this team. Well, Ryan, being a stats guy, how how do you like the analytics as far as in the play, the field of play and all the shifts and all the different things that they use? Uh, us old-timers struggle with that. How, how do you like it as a stats guy? Well, first of all, I, I, I love this stuff. I love the idea of a competitive advantage in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I'm a I love playing poker, for example. I did for nine months out of college when I couldn't find a job. Um, and I love the idea of getting a competitive advantage. I love the idea of playing blackjack and counting cards and getting a competitive advantage over the house. I, I just I, I love that stuff. Um, so I, I'm going to have to throw one question at you, though. Um, uh, let's, let's go 1970, where the second baseman stands, where the second baseman stands, and the shortstop stands, where the shortstop stands, right? Um, it, do you know why throughout history they've stood where they stood in the field, players did? I do not know. Oh, it was probably it's an just, analytical analysis that that's where most of the balls went. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's just because they're, they were equidistant from each other. That's it. Okay. No, nothing to do with where the balls went. It was just the idea that, well, if we put them equidistant from each other, then they're going to get make most of the plays. And throughout history, we've discovered that's that's very incorrect. I mean, we go back to a guy like Ted Williams. Ted Williams was seeing these crazy shifts, um, what, 50, 60 years before we had the data to back up what teams were doing. And so me, I, I'm a huge fan of um, uh, getting any kind of competitive advantage that, that you can. 
um, let's you know let's not get into the competitive advantage that certain uh, performance enhancing drugs provide, but uh, definitely take advantage of the the data and the um, analytics if you can. Hey, Ryan, I want to shift gears a bit and ask you about another Ryan. This Sunday, the Phils will have a retirement day for the great Ryan Howard. We all watched his terrific career, his 382 home runs. Put his career into perspective for us, especially what he did from his arrival in mid-2005 to 2011. He was really one of the best in the game. So, you know, how do you reflect on Ryan Howard? So I try to remember Howard uh, not by the way his career ended, which, let's be honest, it was, it was poor. And he was somebody who was really killed by the shift. Um, for me, Howard, is his legacy really is that first 1,000 games when he hit the most home runs all time by a player through 1,000 games, 279. Um, you know, he was big piece then. Uh, another thing that I like about Ryan Howard, um, I, I shouldn't say I like, I, I really wish he hit one more professional home run, including the minors, because he's sitting at 499. I would really like to see the Red and they're not the Phil, the Fightins, give him a couple plate appearances, try to get that number 500. But um, it, it's just the facts. I mean, from you said up till 2011. Uh, yeah, if you go what his wins above replacement, and I know that a lot, some people can take it or leave it, from 2012 to 2016, you're looking at minus four and a half. He, he was minus four and a half wins. And for those who don't really know what wins of replacements based on, it's the idea of a replacement player, which is a team of replacement players would go up, uh, 54 and 108 over the course of a season. Ryan Howard was four and a half wins worse than that. So um, I really try to not remember the tail end of his career where he's playing just because he had that monster contract I, I wish the Phillies could have uh, done something for him where he could have gone to a ballpark that would have uh, maybe, you know, a Fenway Park or something, any DH uh, that would have benefited him. Um, but it, it's it's just a shame to see that those final five, uh, some may even say six or seven seasons, the way that they came uh, this legacy. And uh, in my opinion, Howard is always going to be that guy, you know, that 58 home run guy, that guy who led the league in RBI. Um, three out of uh, four seasons and then I had 136 in the one that he didn't. Um, and, you know, people throw RBI out, but come on, big piece was clutch for the Phillies. Um, he hit at least 45 home runs in four straight seasons there. Uh, he was, he was, to, he was to me that, um, what do you say? What do you used to always say? Just get, just get me to the plate boys. Right. And then um, there's one other thing. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up on the fly that, uh, that, you know, people, a lot of times, how do you quantify what's, what's, what's clutch, right? And um, it's, it's really, it's not an easy thing to do, and there's several different ways that people try to do it. But we, we always remember those um, uh, fantastic Septembers, that, right, that Ryan Howard had. And um, just, to, just to apply the, the by-the-numbers kind of thing to that, I'm, again, I'm trying to pull this up on the fly, so... You guys get up and forgive me here if I'm going slow. <laughs> um, ah, goodness, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't prepped for it. I don't. I don't got it. Okay. I'll, if I if I can get it through the rest of the way, I'll I'll, I'll drop it for you. But um, he was really special for the Phillies when it came time. Uh, when it came to that uh, crunch time, when it came to the um, the time to make a push for the postseason, and uh, you know that's that's how I I try to remember him not as the um, the guy who kind of fell off towards the end of his career. Um, and just, you know, he just wasn't really the same guy that we saw. Yep, I'll be and there Sunday course, looking forward course, to it. Of course, now now I've got it up. And I'll, I'll give you just the slugging. We can uh, disregard okay. the other numbers, but they're all fantastic. Um, his slugging in September uh, in the final month of the season from 2005 to 2011, which, like you brought up, 05, 708, 06, 750, 07, 630, 08, World Series year, 852, 09, 582, 10, uh, 534, and then 11, 522. So he was, he, to me, Brian Howard, just get me to the plate, boys. 
fantastic. I was a beast. One final thing, Brian, uh, Ryan, I want to ask you about. Uh, did I see that you'll be heading to the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies next weekend? Uh, yes. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to be an invited guest of the great Edgar Martinez and his wife, Holly, of course. Um, they were kind enough to extend an invite to me. Um, Edgar's been a part of some of the work that I've done. He's blurbed our uh, most recent book, um, some of the pieces that I've written on him, he's uh, injected his um, baseball expertise into. It's I'll tell you the one thing about Edgar though he's it's, he's a pain in the butt when it's, it comes to getting him talking about his career. Anytime I bring something up about him, he'd be like, "Yeah, but what about Dale Murphy and what about, what about Omar Vizquel and all these guys?" He never wanted to talk about himself. He always wanted to talk about how great those who were um, playing around with him and. Uh, Another example of this that it's one of my favorite stories to tell about Edgar. I told him the stat that um, I came across that Tony Glynn, uh, considered by many the greatest hitter of a generation, some even as all, of all time, um, would have to would have had to uh, return to. Excuse me, Edgar Martinez would have to return to baseball and go 0 for 666 in order for his on-base percentage to fall below Tony Glynn's. And oh, wow. when I told Edgar Martinez that, he just said he was dumbfounded. He was like, "No, it's not true. That's that's Tony Gwynn. There's no way that's true." And I was like, "Edgar, man, it's, it's true. I'm sorry. I'm the numbers guy here." <laughs> wow. Well, well, hey Ryan, as we wrap it up, uh, tell us about the incredible baseball stats. Where can the listeners get it? Uh, where is it available? And how can they follow you? Um, well, I'm on Twitter, of course, the Ace of Spader, S-P-A-E-D-E-R. Um, the the book is it's my pinned tweet, the best way to get it. So you, if you want a signed copy, it's uh, on my website, which is theaceofspader.com. Um, it's, uh, as far as the book goes, we really, again, shoot for those stats you're not going to find on the back of the baseball cards. we got two great forwards from Wade Boggs and then Lance McCullers, man. Whew, he wrote us a – he almost he tried to write a, a book of his own, and it was really cool getting him involved because I remember asking him, and he's a friend of mine, and I hate asking favors of my friend, but it, I, when I asked him about it, he was like, "You mean to tell me I get to like be a published author?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of." And he was like, "Hell yeah, man! I definitely want to do this. You got to be kidding me! I'm stoked!" You know, and he was so excited to do it, and it was really cool. To see, like, uh, he was bragging about getting to show his, his father, who was a, a good pitcher in his own right, um, about how he, you know, had a, a piece of the book. And it's just, that it was just such a cool thing. And then um, as far as some of the numbers go, yeah, we, you know, we, we touch on some of the classic stuff, like some of the, um, when each chapter has like a sort of intro to the team, and we, we'll touch on the, uh, we, we tried to avoid the, you know, all-time home run leader for the team because most people know that stuff. But we, we touch on some of the more classic statistics. But then we we take a deeper dive as you go throughout the chapters and go through like each of the players. Things like um, you'll find in there, i, I got to pay homage to uh, Edgar Martinez again. Edgar Martinez uh, from 1997 to 98, considered by many Ken Griffey Jr.'s best seasons, actually had an on-base percentage uh, one point higher than Ken Griffey Jr., but not just that. That's one point higher when Martinez had two strikes against him than Junior had overall. So well, those are the kind of facts that you're going to find in there. Um, and, again, it's it's just that whole not going to find in the back of baseball card thing. Awesome. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, let's do it, and we'll work with Carl and get that signing done for you too. Yeah, that would be great, and uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much on you, uh, on you guys. I I love it's talking all good, man. stuff. Uh, at, at least you're uh, from the Philly area, so you can put up with my crazy accent anytime I do <laughs> video in San Francisco. Or what Texas. accent? What even accent? Here in, <laughs> even here in D.C., they're always giving me crap about the way I string together my words, and you know, I stutter a little <laughs> bit and stuff. So I I really appreciate you guys um, letting me come on. All right, Thanks, Ryan. Ryan. Thanks a lot, my friend. My pleasure. Take care. Yeah, have a great day, okay? 
You too. Let's take a break so I can tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. I love to tell you about the Irish Rover every week. They have a great variety of food and drink on the menu with all sorts of specials. And they've just made some changes and added some new items to the menu, by the way. And always 24 beers on tap. That hasn't changed. Plus, trivia every Wednesday evening, karaoke many Thursdays, and a DJ every Friday night. And hey, mark your calendars. Shark Week starts July 28th at the Rover with Land Shark beer specials and Shark cocktails. More about that as we get closer to the 28th. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn, and you can get more info on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And as a welcome back gift to my radio partner, a snippet from one of Bill Furman's favorite albums from the 1970s. There you go, Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good good stuff, man. What a great song. Yeah. Well, that was Kenneth, one of my favorite albums, too. Yep. Yeah, as we mentioned in the opening, the Sixers completely revamped from a week or so ago. Uh, do you like where they are? Are they a better team now? They they certainly lost some talent, but they gained some talent. Yeah, I do like it. I mean, in your absence, Fred Hugo and I had a good discussion about the New Look Sixers last week. And as I told him, I'm pretty excited about this team now. I'm actually okay with the Jimmy Butler departure. I think it'll be a good opportunity for Tobias Harris to better show his skills I really like the acquisition of Josh Richardson and the signing of Al Horford. Yeah, both Harris and Horford are probably being overpaid, maybe grossly overpaid, but that's not our problem. They added a couple of other guys, too, while saying goodbye to J.J., T.J., Bobby, and others. This new group should be very good defensively, and I know there are still some questions about who's going to take the big shot when needed down the stretch, and do they have enough offense coming off the bench? Yeah, 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 but all in all, I'm optimistic, and with Kawhi going to the Clippers, the Sixers may very well be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Well, I think that's probably true, especially with uh, Toronto now having some problems. Boston has some problems. But, Chet, I want to ask you, uh, I mean, I guess the process as we knew it, it certainly takes a twist, but I guess you could not have done what you've done now if you didn't have the process. Uh, but it, it just seems like now when you look at all the guys that have come and gone, there's a lot of misses in this group for me. Oh, yeah, a lot of misses. I mean, way too many misses. I mean, Joel Embiid is now the only player left from the time that Sam Hinkie was there. So they've really changed everything, and a lot of the guys were misses. I mean, Okafer was a miss, certainly. Markel Fultz, a major miss. He may never play in the NBA at this point. Who knows? But, you know, maybe it'll finally pay off looking at the odds to win the NBA Eastern Conference this year. The Bucks are 2-1. to one, The Sixers are 3-1. to one. So, right now, we could be looking at a Bucks sixers Eastern Conference final, and I'd be okay with that. I'd take the Sixers' chances. Uh, yeah, a lot of changes for sure. And, as I said, I'm optimistic that this group can get it done, at least get to the finals. And don't forget that Nerlens Noel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I was a big who, who fan would of want him. to forget him? Fred hey, and hey, gave Jenna, me crap, but that's okay. I, I do want to ask you one other thing while we're talking about the NBA. You saw my post I made on Facebook the other day about this whole teaming up thing, and it's kind of, you know, to me the, the league is a bit of a joke. And uh, there were a lot of responses to that uh, to that post, and almost every single one of them was in agreement that the NFL or the NBA is a joke. What Thoughts? I, I'm not going to use that term, a joke, but it's certainly different from the way it used to be. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't have a major problem with guys, you know, kind of getting to pick where they want to play. And keep in mind, we're not talking about the whole league. They can entire, you know, jump around. It's the 10 or 12 elite players in the league who can control their destiny to an extent. And I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world. I'd rather it wasn't the case, but I'm not going to say it's a joke. I'd rather it wasn't that way, but no, a joke is a little too extreme for me. Well, and and we won't belabor this too much because we'll be talking a lot more about it, but I think that you're able to sit there and say you think the Sixers and the Bucks are the the, the high portions of the East because no one else has a chance. And that's what bothers me. I think there's maybe six teams or so that are quality teams. 
and then the rest are has-beens that have no chance of winning. And, and to me, that's a problem for the game. Yeah, you may be right there. Um, but, you know, really that's the case, I think, in most of the professional leagues. I mean, do half of the teams in Major League Baseball have a legitimate chance? No, because a lot of them are smaller market teams who don't have the money to, you know, pay the higher salaried players that they need. Um, and even in the NFL, I mean, I know there's a lot of parity, but there's also a lot of bad teams in the NFL who have no shot of winning. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just the, the way it is today. I mean, the salaries are ridiculous. You know, it's just so different from 20, 30, 40 years ago. But we sound like cranky old men if we complain about it, Bill. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I just like to be entertained, and I'm not sure that you're going to get a whole lot of entertainment every night. You'll get in All the right. big games, and they'll be fun to watch. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of lot of dud games. Or, yeah, or you're going to get bummed out because they lose to a bad team, and you're going to say, how'd that happen? And that will happen occasionally, especially with guys, you know, doing the load management thing now. You may see Embiid, like Kawhi this past year, on purpose playing only 55 or 60 games to save up for the playoffs because that's what it's all about now. That's right. All right, Chad. Hey, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Lavoie from Allstate in Westchester, PA. Yeah, very true, Bill. The same person you can count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. So call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, Pennsylvania at 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie, 610-430-0700, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, here on July 10th, we say happy 70th birthday to the guy who did this song back in the early 80s, a guy by the name of Greg Kinn. There you go. There you go. Hey, Chet, before we get to our Hall of Fame selections, uh, there was a little soccer match that got an awful lot of attention over the weekend, some of it. For good reasons, some of for not so good reasons. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, you can talk about those issues if you want, but I'm going to focus on what Team USA, the women, did on the field. They beat the Netherlands in the final on Sunday, 2 nothing, and were very impressive in doing so. I, I got to watch the entire second half, and they were great. So we say congrats to Megan Rapino, Rose Lavelle, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, and, of course, Julie Ertz on their great accomplishments. The parade was today in New York, so we wish them the best and say, Thank you for all that you've done. Well, and if you're a soccer fan and you're purely a soccer fan, I think they certainly did everything we wanted them to do. But there is that other stuff. And I don't think you can just blow that off and say it didn't happen because right or wrong, we have allowed politics to enter our sports world again. Oh, yeah, there's I, there's the whole politics thing, unfortunately. There's also the thing about equal pay. And on that front, I'm going to tell you right now, they deserve equal pay. The team's success has translated into substantial revenue generation and profits for the U.S. Soccer Federation, as they say in their lawsuit. And, in fact, they've earned more in profit and revenue than the men, according to everything I've heard. So pay these ladies. Pay these ladies. As far as the the stuff with the politics, I'm not going to get into that. I do want to mention one other thing, though. Carly Lloyd at the parade today in New York said this right here. I'm a Jersey girl through and through, but New York, New York, it's just as close, even though I'm an Eagles fan down in Philly. So, <laughs> why Eagles, why? Gotta love that. Uh, I was going to ask you if you saw that or heard that, and uh, that's great stuff. And uh, hats off to Carly, uh, one of the class acts. Uh, not everybody was a class act, so we'll just leave that there for right now. How's that? There you go. Let's do that. All right. Hey, Chet, Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame time. The fans have answered the call for the sixth year. It's been fun um, and somewhat surprising once again with a, some last-minute changes here uh, today with some, some of the votes. So uh, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, we got a lot of votes in the, the last uh, 12 hours, I guess, and especially after you posted the final reminder this morning. And uh, that's okay. You know, people have their right to change their minds about things and maybe get other people behind the guys they want to get in. So it's all good. And, you know, you think since we've 
we'd put 30 players in over the first five years that there might be some dilution of talent now. But looking at the names, there were a lot of great players on the ballot again this year and lots of tough choices for voters. Uh, and, yeah, I'm still surprised that some of the big names, Donovan McNabb, who just can't seem to get much support at all from Philly sports fans. Hard to believe. Well, hey, just a reminder how this works. The fans have voted for five of the 16 players on the ballot for the last about 10 days. The top three fan vote-getters are automatically inducted into our Hall of Fame. Chet, then you're going to pick one, and I'm going to pick one, and that will make up the class of 2019. So that's how it works. And uh, we closed it at 10 o'clock this morning, as you said, so let's get to it. We'll give a rundown of the 30 great Philly athletes that have already been selected to our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. And <clears throat> then we'll get to 2019. So our first Let's class in 2014. Sir? Let's do it. You want me to do that one? No, I got it. I didn't hear what you, you got said. got it. Go. Class of 2014, did, yeah. Wilt Chamberlain, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Chuck Bednarik, Steve Van Buren, Reggie White, Robin Roberts, and Julius Irving, all pretty knockouts there. Class of 15, Brian Dawkins, Richie Ashburn, Bill Barber, Joe Frazier, Pete Pijos, Class of 16, Eric Lindros, Pete Rose, Allen Iverson, Charles Barkley, and Hal Greer. The class of 17, Judy Arnold, Mark Howe, Moses Malone, Dick Allen, and Brian Propp. And the class of 2018, Bill Berge, Jim Bunning, Maxie Bond, Harold Carmichael, and Tommy McDonald. 30 guys, Chet, do you abs- guys and gals, that you absolutely could not go wrong with. No, those are all great names, absolutely. They all belong, and I think the five that we're going to put in this year also belong. Absolutely. Well, that gets us to our class of 2019. You want to run down a list of nominees before we get to the vote outcome? You got it. On the ballot this year, we had 11 holdovers from past years. Bob Brown, Mo Cheeks, Billy Cunningham, Randall Cunningham, Darren Dutch Dalton, Tim Kerr, Donovan McNabb, Mike Quick, Jimmy Rollins, Dave Schultz, and Chet the Jet Walker. New to the 2019 ballot this year then were Ryan Howard, Bobby Jones, Rick McLeish, the Tugger, Tug McGraw, and Wilbert Montgomery. So 16 real good names on the ballot in all. Absolutely. So, Chet, we ended up with 625 votes cast. So we're going to run through the results. We're going to start from the bottom up. We have that drum roll ready, Mr. Chesko? There you go, finishing 16, 15, 14, and 13. And Chet, dead last, and this is hard to believe, Donovan McNabb and Darren Dalton with just six votes out of 625. And they were followed by Chet Walker and Mike Quick. Yeah, we've talked about this before. McNabb just never seems to get the support, and it's really, I think, his persona more than anything. Dutch Dalton, great guy, and we miss him, but... In all honesty, I don't know that he belongs on here with his stats and you know his accomplishments on the field. Great guy, but I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer. Chet Walker and Mike Quick, certainly deserving of consideration, but they just haven't gotten the votes. All right, the next three, finishing 12, 11, and 10, coming in at 12th with just 17 votes, Randall Cunningham. And I'll be honest, I voted for Randall. I wanted to see him get in there, but he did not get the support. Number 11 was Bob Brown, just 22 votes, the great offensive lineman. I know Danny Bevins was campaigning for the boomer to get in, but he didn't even crack the top 10 with the fan vote. And number 10, but not enough to get in with the vote, 31 votes, Jimmy Rollins in 10th place. Yeah, all good choices, but way off the pace. Chet, 9, 8, and 7. I think uh, we're getting into some of our real favorites lists here. Mo Cheeks at 9, Dave Schultz at 8, and Ryan the Big Piece Howard finishes a distant 7th in his first year on the ballot. Yeah, three more good names right there. And then 6, 5, and 4 on the list, uh, just outside the top three that automatically gets you in. Coming in in 6th place was the great flyer forward Rick McLeish. Coming in number five, the Tugger, Tug McGraw. And incredibly, Bill, for I believe the third year in a row, this guy slipped out of the top three in the final days and down to number four. I don't know how it happens every year. Into the final hours to number four on the list before the voting closed. The Flyers' great Tim Kerr, again, just missing the top three. The scoring machine that he is. Well, Chet, 
That gets us to three. So the next three are automatically in. So our newest member of the Hall of Fame in finishing third, newcomer to the list, and very well deserving, I might add, Bobby Jones with 71 votes. He's in. Yeah, he also went into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame just this past year. So, uh, heck, if he's in that one, he might as well be in ours, too. And the people voted him. Well, I'm thinking that's kind of a secondary honor to being in the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. We'll uh, try to get a hold of Bobby to come on and thank us for all the votes in the campaign. All right, finishing second and another new member of our Hall of Fame with a flurry of votes in the final 12 hours. I'm going to demand an, uh, demand an investigation into that, Bill. Legendary Eagles running back Wilbert Montgomery got 83 votes, 13% of the total vote. So Wilbert is in. Well, and, you know, Wilbert was sitting in that four spot for a long time. And, uh, you know, he was close. And, and I was thinking to myself, all four of these guys are, you know, certainly deserve to get in. And then all of a sudden, Wilbert uh, bumped up and got into that two spot. Yeah, Jeff, that leads us to our leading vote-getter and the newest member of our Hall of Fame, Billy Cunningham, with 97 votes. As I said, the leading vote-getter. And Cunningham's been on this list for many years. And this year he comes out and finishes on top. Surprised me a little bit, actually. Yeah, surprised me that he finished that high, but he's certainly deserving. And he was one of my favorite favorite players as a kid, too. Uh, Billy C. coming off the bench as sixth man extraordinaire. And then he left to go to the ABA for a while, then came back. Billy Cunningham, one of my favorite Sixers. Congratulations. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was a little surprised with Cunningham because he's a bit of an older guy. You know, Bobby Jones, a little more current. Bobby Jones getting in uh, didn't surprise me. Billy Cunningham playing back in the 60s and 70s uh, did surprise me just a little bit, as you say, by by being the leading vote-getter by quite a few votes, actually. And, of course, he coached Bobby Jones on that uh, championship team. Yes, he did. Well, Chet, uh, now it's up to you to make your pick. And I'll tell you what, this is easy. We already, you already pretty much said who you were going to go with if he didn't get in. So let's see if you changed your mind. You know, I had Ryan Howard already to go. But I promised that if Tim Kerr didn't get in by fan vote after just missing out the last few years, that he would be my choice. And I'm a man of my word, Bill. So Tim Kerr is in, very deserving, and not because he just missed out on making the Hall the last two years. He was one of my favorite flyers in the 80s, and he was a beast in front of the net, particularly on the power play. Tim Kerr, a scoring machine during most of his 11 seasons with the Orange and Black. I mentioned this when we uh, announced the candidates two weeks ago, but in 601 games as a flyer, he had 363 goals. Another 287 assists, that's more than a point a game. Kerr is the Flyers' third all-time leader in goals and his sixth in points. He's still the team leader in career power play goals with 145. Tim Kerr, a five-time All-Star, and now he is a member of our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Much deserving, and uh, if you didn't get him, I was going to. So he, <laughs> he was getting in this year one way or the other, I think. There you go. So, he I have the final inductee in this year's class, and uh, I'm probably going to surprise you with this pick. Any guesses? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Danny Bevins paid you off, and you're going to go with Bob Brown. That would be incorrect. I'm not going <laughs> with Bob Brown, although I am uh, nothing wrong with offensive linemen, and they certainly deserve all the love they can get. But Bob Brown is not getting my love tonight. Hmm. And who I am selecting, Chad, as I said, might surprise you, and that is going to be that Rick McLeish. Hmm. Mm, Surprised, aren't you? Uh, And I'll tell you why, Chad. I was won over by his 12 seasons as a flyer. Uh, The longevity is really what put him over the top for me. Um, Two Stanley Cup champions, 328 goals, 369 assists, 697 points, 50 goals, 50 assists in the 72-73 season. Another 49 goals, 15 career hat tricks, three all-star games. The game-winning goal in the first Stanley Cup in franchise history in game six against Boston was probably, until Tug McGraw's out in the 1980 World Series, was probably considered the greatest moment in Philly sports history. McLeish scoring that goal led the yep. play led the playoffs with 13 goals and 22 points that year, uh, and didn't win the Conn Smythe Award. So I'm going with um, I'm going with Rick McLeish, and I think he's very deserving. 
Yeah, um, so two Flyers get in thanks to you and me. Congrats to Rick McLeish. Absolutely. So, Chet, there you have it. That's our Philly Press Box class of 2019. We have Bobby Jones, Wilbert Montgomery, Billy Cunningham, Tim Kerr, and Rick McLeish. And now the breakdown regarding the 35 great Philly athletes that we have in our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame is fairly even. A fairly even split among the four major pro teams. We have ten Eagles, Bill, eight Sixers, eight Flyers, and seven Phillies, plus two others, Joe Frazier and Judy Arnold. So there's the breakdown, and it's pretty evenly matched, as I said. It certainly is. Interesting stuff. And the fans got it right, Chad. I don't think we can argue uh, for one second with the three fan picks, and, uh, and they left us good guys to pick as well. Yeah, I think uh, we all did a great job, so let's pat ourselves on the back. Absolutely, and next year we'll be uh, number seven, and we'll we'll put more guys in. How's that, guys yep, and girls? We shall. Yep. All right, Ted. Hey, last call for the new Philly Press Box Radio shirts. We're about out of the first order. I think we're down to six from that initial order. It's very close to time to reorder. Tell us about the shirts, and uh, I'm thinking that this next order, as we get closer to football season, we might take those reds and turn that red into green. And uh, same logo, same setup, but a little more green for football season. Yeah, let's do it. But in the meantime, uh, here's the deal. We've sold polo <laughs> shirts in the past, but uh, since early May, we've been selling these nice new Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. They're available in sizes medium through 2XL, and we have them in red as well as in gray and in black as far as you know, the full shirt. In each case, it is our red logo on the front for these and our sponsor's logos on the back. And get this, you can choose from regular material or dry fit. Prices are 15 bucks for regular, $17 for dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one or $10 if you're ordering two. And as you noted, we have fewer than 10 in stock right now, so we'll have to see if we have exactly what you need in your size. But ask us, and we'll try to hook you up. Absolutely. Hey, Chet, uh, I may have thrown you for a little loop in the opening when I mentioned July being the last month of the year without football. Uh, you know, most people aren't really in the football mode here as we're going to the beach for the weekend and doing those things. You ready for football? Uh, I'm not entirely ready just yet, but uh, on the other hand, when is it a bad time for football? Training camp does open in two weeks, and as mentioned, the Eagles have their first preseason game exactly four weeks from tomorrow. It is August 8th. So I'm sure I'll be ready by then, especially with, you know, so many changes that the Eagles have made. I think I heard today somewhere, saw it on uh, social media, that the Eagles have completely or half overturned their roster, 50% from the team that won the Super Bowl just, what, like 8, 17 or 18 months ago. That's amazing. Half of the guys are gone. Yeah, well, and that's the nature of football these days, especially football with such short careers. Um, and and the salary cap the way it is, guys got to go. They they just don't keep them around much. And did you see Connor Barwin is uh, trying to get his way back on the team? He's been talking to Howie, and they want to see if they can work something out. I wouldn't mind bringing Connor Barwin back to you know come in and play like ten or twelve plays a game like Chris Long did it sometimes. Yeah, if he can be that effective, and he and he's going to play on the cheap. I mean, he he. I don't know his age off the top of my head, but he's not a young just guy, and, and he may 32. have one more year. 32? Yeah. You know, he may have one good year left with him. I have no problem with that. And uh, he's certainly been a great citizen uh, for Philadelphia, even after he's been gone. So I have no problem adding adding a a class locker room guy like him. Yeah, he is a classy guy. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that. And hopefully they can work something out. Yep. What what are you thinking uh, probably excites you the most about this year? I can tell you for me, um, it's this running back situation. I think for once we have a stable full of running backs uh, that are that are much better than what we've had in the last few years, and there's there's offensive yeah. weapons all over the place for Carson. Lewis. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on the running backs. They got four guys who theoretically you know could play and play well. I want to see what, what, the, what the rookie Miles Sanders brings to the team. Of course, we followed him at Penn State, and you know Josh Adams when he was in there and healthy before he got hurt. He was pretty good from weeks like 7 to 12 or whatever it was. So don't count Josh Adams out just yet. And, of course, Corey Clement, if healthy, will be, you know, fun to watch. And uh, the new guy, Jordan Howard, is that his name? I'm forgetting already, from Chicago. Yep. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of guys who contribute at running back, and I'm excited to see how they spread the ball around there as well as with the receivers on the two tight ends. So I can't wait to see this offense. Yeah, I, I'm kind of excited about Corey Clement. You know, I've always liked him um, and was excited when they got him. And last year, I, I'm going to venture to say he did not want play one play healthy the entire season, yeah. and, it, and it certainly yeah. showed. He didn't play very well, and uh, he just couldn't get on track, and he just wasn't wasn't healthy. So I'm I'm looking forward to a bounce back from him. Me as well. Preseason football one week or four weeks from tomorrow. Four weeks. Yeah, and, and one other thing that we're always going to have to talk about all year, I think, is going to be that Jason Peters and that offensive line and their health and Brooks coming off surgery, Peters being old and banged up and – you know that they're not going to. They can have all the weapons in the world. They can't block anybody. They're going to have problems. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how long Peters stays healthy because that's always a concern. Yep, absolutely. All right, Chad. Another great guest tonight. So tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Well, next week, Bill, for the third straight week, we're going to have a first-time visitor joining us, and I'm sure you'll be happy with this one. She is a sports anchor and a reporter who grew up in Delran, a Rutgers grad who also spent some time in Hawaii, and who later this month celebrates her one-year anniversary at NBC Sports Philly. She does a great job on there, and I'm, of course, talking about Taryn Hatcher, and we're thrilled to have her join us here on the big show live next week. Awesome, awesome. Just saw her on the on the show this weekend. Was uh, She's always good to, to listen to. Yep, and there may be a second guest, but that's not definite just yet. So for now, it's Taryn Hatcher and you and me. All right, sounds great. Well, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. The items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Boy, I'm having a little trouble Hang here, there, Chet. Bill. Hang in there. I got it. Almost did again. Well, Chet, do you have a parting shot tonight? I do not. I've been at work all week, and I just haven't had time to breathe. I do. Uh, here we go. This is an important three weeks for the Phillies on the field, beginning this Friday with a seven-game homestand against the hot Washington Nationals and the best-in-the-league Dodgers. Seven games against those two good teams. It's also a huge three weeks for general manager Matt Klentak. Anybody who's been watching this team the last three months knows that the Phillies are in dire need of starting pitching help. While Aaron Nola seems to be back to his 2018 form, the rest of the staff is pretty much a huge question mark. Inconsistent starts, injuries, and ability to pitch into the sixth or seventh inning isn't there. You name it, these guys have issues. What to do about it? Well, that's the big question for Klintak. There's not a whole lot of help in terms of big league-ready arms at either AA or AAA. And beyond Alec Bohm, there's not a lot of top-level prospects that other teams, a.k.a. trading partners, would likely want in exchange for one of their pitchers. So that's the dilemma facing Klentak. Now let's see if he can pull a rabbit out of his GM hat and turn this Phillies team into a legitimate contender because right now, although they're alive in the wild card hunt, very much alive, they're not going anywhere with the current pitching staff as it's constituted. So good luck, Matt. We're counting on you. Well, hey, why we have about 30 seconds to talk about that, I want to throw out since you mentioned it, what about the – Gabe Kapler comment on WIP today that Jake Arrieta at ninety at 85% is a better option than what we have at AAA. That is not a good thing to say. I didn't hear him say that, but it's sad but true. And, yeah, Arietta is going to pitch this weekend despite the problems that he's got physically because they just don't have anybody else. So until Klintak makes a trade, that's what we're going to have to hope for, that he can get you into the sixth inning or whatever and then hope the bullpen you know, can get you through the rest of the game. That's why I say I am not optimistic about this pitching staff. Matt, do something, please. <laughs> Absolutely. And and if if Arietta at eighty five percent is better, I'd like to know what he thinks Velasquez <laughs> percentage is oh. be better than Triple A because Don't they're terrible. Started, Don't get me <laughs> they're started. Terrible. Oh my goodness. And one final comment, Jet. Uh, Jake Arietta on um, denting somebody's head. Thoughts on that one? <laughs> 
Yeah, Todd Frazier, and uh, there may be some repercussions for Jake for saying that kind of stuff. I don't know. Happy 47th birthday, Sophia Vergara, one of my favorites. Hey, and happy 33rd birthday, Mike Furman. How about that one? I saw that yesterday. Happy birthday, Mike. All right, Jet. With that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, Ryan Spader, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave O'Boy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, July 17th at 7 p.m. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.